very, very good morning to you on Fellowship Day 366. I was wondering just as I was about to hit the big red button and record just how long it had been since the last episode and I think this is perhaps that unwanted record of the longest stretch between episodes. Remember back in the dim and distant past of over a year ago when I started this thing saying it would be every day? Oh, my naivety. Anyway, moving swiftly on as always, we're on day 366. I glance sideways at the podcast listings on the back end. So as I'm recording these, this is when I'll write the, the short blog for each of the episode web pages. 366 is today. 345 was the last proper episode you listened to. Part of the reason for that is that there was an in-between episode, a wee two-minute number that was less of a numbered day and more of a brief update on why the hell I'd been missing in action for so long. In short, audiobook recording. We are about one month out from formally launching the book in ebook, paper format, probably limited edition hardback. And the last of those, Four Horsemen, audio. And most of the last month has been consumed almost entirely by that audiobook recording process. This is a photo finish with the formal written edits on the book as well. So I'm embellishing it a little bit. I'm uh, ad-libbing in places to get it refined for audio versus print format. I'm taking notes on the manuscript and making sure various phrases, terms get swapped out from what would be appropriate for someone reading the book versus someone listening to the book. Speaking of naivety, my original process for recording the book, well, actually a two-step process, was number one, I was actually going to do it as you hear me now. I was going to record it on my own, using my own licenses to various production softwares, using this very microphone and all the other little bits and bobs that I've used to teach myself. That was stage one. But probably the best decision I've made before stage two was deciding not to do it myself, but in fact go to a studio uh, in my hometown of Glasgow, working with someone who knows a hell of a lot more than me, taking that responsibility out of my hands and collaborating with someone and the amount of weight off my mind has been incalculable. Just to be able to focus on the content of the book and turning it from a reading, let's face it, into more of a performance for the audiobook has been incredible. Had I not made the decision to somewhat outsource or collaborate on that audio part, then as much as I enjoy being a jack of all trades, I would have all of that technical side in my head at the same time as trying to do the very best performance for the book I possibly could. So deciding to go elsewhere other than within my own little bubble of pretend expertise was profoundly important. The second stage of that, the other part of my naivety, was the fact that my original booking at... Shout out to the Green Room in Glasgow and thanks to Paul Shields again for his uh, audio production support. But my first three bookings in the Green Room were indeed just three. Days one, two and three. We'll get it all done and dusted in three days. 
by the end of three days, I think we'd done just shy of 50% of the book. So maybe the first, can't remember exactly, four chapters. So there's preface, eight core chapters, an epilogue and acknowledgements and all that other sort of dressing on the outskirts of the book. But by the first day of the, the end of the first three bookings, we got about halfway through, pretty much because of what you've just heard, wee lapses in my uh, spoken... See, I'm doing it again. I don't even know the phrase that I'm looking for here. I ballsed it up. I messed it up loads and loads. I would read through sentences. I would mispronounce things. I would stumble... I would say things that weren't even on the page. I was just subconsciously swapping things in and out to something I thought should be there. There would be times I would hit great flow. We would get through lots at once, but there would be other times where I'd stumble on a sentence for 10 minutes and get frustrated. But all of that additional time is not something that's in any way calculated, predicted, included in the assumption that three days would be enough. We then took it up to another three bookings at six days. And by the end of day six, I had just got to the end of the eighth and final core chapter of the book. So still not finished, even doubling the amount of booking time. I've got, at the time of this recording, one more booking to do to finish the, the epilogue, which is more turning the book away from a conversation about how to manage the imposter phenomenon and, and more so putting the responsibility on the shoulders of those who would care as leaders for those who might be suffering from imposter experiences. So I've got that still to go. This is all of what I'm reflecting on at the moment. My head is still very much buried in this, but I wanted to get the podcast back up and running again. Time-wise, this will be a little bit out of sync. By the time what I'm recording right now goes out, we're probably going to be just about launching the book i'll come back in with interspersed episodes to say more of that in a live sense but there'll be eight, another eight or nine episodes i think before you hear this one so we'll see how relevant my timing is when i say this out loud i'm trying to make it timeless but failing miserably anyhow anyway moving on get away from your tangents marky boy get back onto the main stretch of things where am I going with this? Right, so I've got one more bit of the audiobook still to record. I've learned a ton and moved away from that initial naivety of what I thought would be a short burst to record the book. It's helped me, in narration terms, become a better speaker. It's an entirely different game to the public speaking that I'm very used to and enjoy very much. So it's another dimension, another string to that bow. And it's absolutely exhausting. See, sitting on your arse for two hours solid, doing nothing other than speaking into a microphone. It doesn't look like you're moving around a hell of a lot. But the amount of calories that get burned by vibrating those little vocal cords whilst glancing your eyes over a written manuscript is far more draining than I would ever have imagined. So, yet another reason why three bookings became six and have ultimately become seven in total. Thereafter, the magic of uh, Paul in the green room will help polish this up into a series of files that we can then uh, ship to Audible for the, the main uh, audiobook release. 
later in summer 2022. All of that said, you usually come to these things with a prompt and consideration, don't we? Something that is less about me being preachy and more about you being provoked into thinking about something for yourself, not giving the answers, but giving giving a, a prompt, a, a little push for you to then come up with answers to a particular challenge yourself. All of that audiobook recording has required a lot more patience and perseverance than I thought I would actually have to muster for that challenge. At this day I'm recording this for you now, I'm actually coming back to work after a short trip away with some of my mates. We had a stag do bachelor party, depending on what part of the world you're from. And quickly skipping away from what you might assume was a horrendously messy affair. Actually, the best part about it, one of the best parts among several, was getting back on the hiking bandwagon. There's a subset of our friend group who go hiking in the Scottish countryside up hills and Munro's for the challenge of walking almost vertically for a couple of hours. And because we hadn't done one in a while, the one that we went for at the weekend felt a lot more difficult than I could remember. It was more difficult, more challenging, more exhausting, more scary in places than tougher variants on the same theme that we'd tackled in the past. Uh, It was a stark reminder of the unhealthy nature of sitting in an office for the majority of the day. And it was good to be jolted out of that. But what it reminded me of, as you're going from the quiet serenity of the base of a mountain to its increasingly steep peak, or trek towards the peak, You go from clear skies and still waters to bites of wind and visibility that reduces to one or two meters in places depending on what the clouds are like. So it gets tougher physically and it gets tougher mentally. This is the first time I've been doing a hike where I seriously, seriously considered turning back. And if it wasn't for being with one of my close friends, having that camaraderie to help each other get to the top, I'm not sure I would have. And at the same time, I found myself having to dig deep into the mental concepts I've used to help me just keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep going with baby steps on and on, resisting the temptation to look too far ahead on the path and just keep going now this sounds like some hopeless gym instructors mantra and it's probably from the dark recesses of my career past when I was one but I I couldn't I couldn't possibly articulate just how much I needed that to even have any chance of reaching the peak of this mountain at the weekend Uh, all in circling back to the original theme of talking about the audiobook To convince you that I'm not talking about two different things in one big giant ramble of this episode. But that hike at the weekend, having just come off the back of the most intense set of audio recordings I ever think I'll be a part of, that hike reminded me of early writing 
that then would become part of the book. So I'm sitting here in front of this microphone talking to you now in mid-2022. I started the book in early 2015. 2015 and 16, before it was actually formally a book, when it was just a journal, uh, a way for me to try to get thoughts out of my head and understand what this experience of feeling like a fraud actually was before I knew what imposter syndrome and, or imposter phenomenon was more formally. Yeah, there was that early period where it was a journal. But then as time went on and the more I got the idea of turning these thoughts into a book to help me and to help others suffering from imposter experiences, we got to 2017 and that was the year where pun semi-intended, we peaked as a friendship group on our hiking adventures. We decided to do a five-day trek that is famous the world over amongst those in the hiking space, a trek known as the West Highland Way, going five days up the west coast of Scotland, starting in a town called Mulgai and ending in another town called Fort William. You're essentially walking about 100 miles. I'm butchering this a little bit. We walked about a marathon's distance every day, days one through five. There's a little bit of a caveat, as you'll hear shortly. But take that earlier requirement to persevere through friendship, through mental models of taking baby steps for that hike that I did last weekend and inject it with steroids. This West Highland Way experience was transformative for me and being able to endure something for that long, but also to open my eyes to bits of the world that were on my doorstep and I didn't know it. I think in my youth, as many people do, when you start to realise your personal freedom as you career into adulthood you get obsessed with looking at other bits of the world that are far removed from your own but don't realize there are far removed worlds from yours that are in no need of an airplane journey to get there traveling up the west coast of scotland i found rivers and waterfalls and beaches and abandoned medieval houses that you would never ever find sticking to the well-trodden paths, that you would never find going to tourist hotspots or finding off a train journey. These are things that require the investment and in adventure and it's something I'll never ever ever forget. 2017 was the start of my academic career. It was another intense period of feeling like an imposter. It was a year before I had kids. There are many things about life then that are very different to how life is now. But what remains the same is the gratitude for having things to take my mind off of feeling like an imposter. So what I'm going to do to more or less end today's return episode of the Read Indeed podcast, taking it into one of the longer episodes, is to go back to what was now draft one of the book, the original evolving journal document that started as a journal and then 
evolved towards being a book draft. So what I'm going to read for you, which I haven't edited, I can see many a typo and mistake in it. I haven't edited this or really looked at it properly since 2017. And this was my immediate reflection on the West Highland Way after I've returned to work the following week. And in there I'm reflecting on everything I've said to you today about the perseverance needed, about some quirks of this particular journey. And all the while in my head, I was thinking about how all of this helped take my mind elsewhere and away from what at the time was quite a heavy neurosis with regards to feeling like an imposter. I'll read this for you now. I'll narrate it for you now, he says, coming off the back of the audiobook recording, thinking he knows it all. But say just now, in case I forget, in case I get lost, in reflection on reading something I haven't read since I wrote it nearly five years ago, the prompt and consideration for you today is what are the, the tools, what are the experiences in your life that can help breed the persistence and the penchant for baby steps that you will need for the greatest challenges in your professional life. Where are the tools that you're not looking for specifically to build resilience, but perhaps as a hobby or as a pastime, they can nonetheless do that job subconsciously for you. How can you better take the baby steps you need towards the big leaps in what you want to achieve. So without further ado, here are my reflections on tackling the West Highland Way. There's been an approximate two-week break since I contributed anything to this book draft. Among several reasons, the principal one involved a five-day break, completing what is known as the West Highland Way. We all have different types of friends, those from work, those from high school, those from a sports club or music group, or maybe even that guy or girl you play chess with in the park. If we're lucky, we also have those friends who seem timeless. You've known them for as long as you can remember. They've been with you at various stages of your life and you can't remember a time when you didn't know them. You're able to talk to them about anything and embarrass yourself in front of them without consequence. I'm fortunate enough to have such friends. Three of them joined me on the West Highland Way. Mikey is a tall man with thick brown hair, a thin chiselled face and eclipsing brown eyes that highlight a brief wandering in their resting position. His thin face masks a more robust frame. He's the type of guy you see coming a mile away. His features are lost in the distance, but no one else walks with that broad sway of the hips and arms swinging 
low, like a primitive cousin. Then there's Barry, real name Brian. A tall but stocky man, whose every limb looks as thick as an age of a tree trunk. His milky white skin is topped by thinning fair hair, arguably blonde or ginger orange, and his face is centred on a broad flat nose that could shelter an unprepared commuter from the rain. <laughs> Danny is a man whose hair colour cannot be disputed. Short but flowing fiery red hair blends seamlessly with an unruly beard. Relaxed eyes are desymmetrized by a fading but ever-present purple line scar on his left eyebrow, the remnants of a nasty accident with a bus. He's tall, muscular, and slightly scary on first sight. These three guys, all together, are those friends without time. These are the friends who join me on the West Highland Way. The West Highland Way is a hike that slithers up from Mulgay, a small town near Glasgow in the central belt of Scotland, to Fort William, a small industrial town on the west coast of the country. From end to end, one hikes through 96 miles of epic Munros and hills, countryside tranquility, crystal lakes or lochs in Scotland, and ancient ruins of times long since past. We did this over five days. On the flip side of the almost indescribable beauty of Scottish countrysides, there was the challenge. The journey wasn't 96 miles in a straight line, rather. It possessed flat roads, cobbled streets, lung-piercing elevation, bone-crushing descents, and ankle-crumbling rocks. Every day is almost a marathon in distance to the next stop, and it's Scotland. It rains. A lot. My own challenge on this trip came on day two of five, midway through a scenic hike up the east bank of Loch Lomond, a picturesque and gargantuan lake enveloped by dense woodland and tremendous hillsides. I came pounding down a muddy hillside and caught my right foot on a loose boulder. I stumbled onto my ankle and wriggled myself forward to maintain my upright position. All seemed fine until a mile down the road. Still several miles from our next stop, the pain started. My ankle lit up like an emerging beacon of a lighthouse in the dark. The pain centred on the ball of my ankle and wormed its way to the base of my foot. Each step became tougher than the last. Each step morphed my gait and posture a little more each time, changing me from a military precise marcher to something resembling Quasimodo. The pain escalated so quickly that Mikey and I stopped to fashion a walking stick from a fallen tree. Cracking a branch from the dead wooden husk, we measured the branch along my torso and snapped it off to give me a stick with a thick base and handle-like top at around chest height where my arm would grip the stick at a right angle. 
The ability to rest some of my weight on this new walking stick provided undeniable respite, but the pain persisted. The pain grew. After waking up the next day, my leg was in such pain that rolling around side to side when I first woke up brought with it an alarming struggle. I persevered on and began day three as I had ended day two, clad with a Gandolf-esque stick and one and a half working legs. It was on this day that my ailment became more pronounced. I was groaning more with each step and falling further and further behind my friends. Looking forward, I could see them striding at equal and effective pace, laughing and joking as they walked. I, meanwhile, was coming ever closer to tears. Several pit stops on day three helped me plod along. Following the final pit stop before the final hike to the Bridge of Orkey, the decision was made that Barry and Mikey would pace ahead and secure a strategic pitch for our tent in what was to be a crowded riverbank. Danny volunteered to stay with the token cripple of the group and help him, i.e. me, to the end. When we set off towards our final destination for day three, the pain was there, but our spirits were strong. We spoke about our mutually new and exciting married lives, our climbing careers, and shared a few obligatory crude jokes to keep the mood light. All the while, we were surrounded by galloping mountain ranges, each peak staged left, then right, one after the other on our path ahead. To look right at them, they appeared in the classic V shape of a deep valley. All was well until the military road. The last part of the last leg on day three involved circumnavigating the base of some unnamed mountain. A formidable Monroe whose shape resembled a gigantic elephant's foot. On this part of the hike, we walked along off-white rock-ridden road left from past times when soldiers would mark and train in the highlands. Each time we turned a corner, it seemed like the exact same road stretched out again and again. It was like a horrific and never-ending episode of Deja Vu. BAM! One slight misstep sent an electrical surge of pain from the sole of my foot to the outside of my shin, ending in the crescendo of my scream. My leg had given up. The repetitive strain was too much, even with the stick to support my weight. Danny, remaining steadfast and functioning gracefully, volunteered to carry my backpack which no doubt contributed to the unwelcome weight in my foot. Even then, I couldn't keep up with Danny, who I see was struggling with both bags, shifting mine from one shoulder to the other like a slow-moving pendulum on a grandfather clock. The stops became more regular as the unforgiving road failed to end. A few miles from the destination, other hiking parties started to take over us, clearly noting our anguish and struggle, asking if we were okay. At one point, Danny stood beside me as I was collapsed on the grass at the roadside, giving my leg a rest. 
A young German couple stopped and offered bandages, painkillers and assistance. We thanked them kindly and explained that, alas, I was close to painkiller overdose and bandaged up like a mummy. We had no choice but to persevere to the end. On the fifth, or maybe 500th turn around the corner, Danny edged again and again, but then stopped. He slowly turned, leading with my bag on his right shoulder, and nodded. Through breathlessness and silent pain, he said, I think that's it. I looked ahead of Danny and saw a pea-sized white image on grassland. At this point, it could have been a mirage, but it, as Danny described it, was the bridge of Orkey Hotel. The location for dinner and side by side with our tent pitch. We hobbled on, by this point I was blinded by sun cream and tears. One more party approached and overtook us. In true Scottish fashion, they offered their kind assistance and then left me with the remains of their tonic wine with which I could ease my pain. To return the gesture, Danny and I took a swig each. Fueled with a suggestion of alcohol and a dart of caffeine, we descended down to the white pea-sized dot, which evolved into the hotel we were praying for. Mikey met us at the roads between the hotel and the campsite, took our bags and guided us to the tent. Danny and I hugged, holding back the tears, and I thanked him for getting me there. I was broken, physically and mentally. Through the doom and gloom, the campsite was on a beautiful riverside and guarded by the four-star hotel. We ate like champions and shared stories over delicious wine. It truly was a memorable evening. The next morning, the now familiar pain had me in its grip. I made the horrible but realistic decision that I couldn't possibly make it through day four. I left the other three to get on with it. I was alone. At this point, it became exceedingly difficult not to drown in the swell of emotion. The physical pain in my leg was shadowed by the mental anguish at not being able to walk. I was lonely, angry, afraid and felt like some sort of failure. Had I continued down this mental maze, I would have been lost for good. Instead, armed with a little knowledge about mindfulness and self-esteem, I stepped aside from my current mental state and tried to assess it objectively. Okay, so you can't complete one part of the walk today. Is it really that bad? On the bright side, you are resting such that you can take on the final day, four friends together, and step over the finish line in style. By taking a rest day, you're securing the true memories for tomorrow. How can you make the most of an apparently lost day? You're not a failure. You're an opportunist. You are reaching the same day four destination as the other guys, and you're taking a different route. What can you see? 
What might you find for yourself? Let's go. You often see examples in the movies of someone dying and their soul, a ghostly floating version of themselves floating above the lifeless form. This is sort of how I imagine this mindfulness trick. You are paying homage to the fact that your emotions are emotions and nothing more. Emotions do not always reflect necessity for physical action. You can acknowledge what you are feeling, almost as if in the third person narrative of yourself, and allow it to pass before moving on. The West Highland Way taught me some other useful lessons along the way, some of which relate to the story of the imposter syndrome and imposter phenomenon. We've learned already that comparing oneself to someone else can be as dangerous as it can be motivating. Along the hike, I overtook slower walkers and was myself left to choke on the dust of many pairs of walking boots as they scooted past me. It would have been easy to make snap judgments at each instance, bigging myself up on the takeover, putting myself down when I was overtaken. But I didn't. Again, step back. Consider what you do not know about the situation. How long the person has walked, how old they are, how fit they are, how much they've trained, whether or not they're injured, and acknowledge that ignorance before allowing emotions to make decisions on how you feel about yourself in a moment. In that same moment, in reality, what actually happened was a simple gesture of goodwill. Every walker going in every direction greeted one another with a passing hello, acknowledging their presence, assuring them that someone else is on the path and enjoying the shared glory of the beautiful scenery. Nothing more. There we have it, folks. A few wee sniggers from me along the way. That's quite a surreal reminder of the state I was in when I was writing that back in 2017. A lot of good memories at the same time. And a reminder in closing that emotions are often emotions and no more. As cheesy as that sound, it was a helpful realisation along the way to getting to from 2017 to 2022 and recording the book the way I shared with you earlier. But therein, we close with the prompt once more. Where are the unexpected tools that you can learn to breed the persistence that you need when you need it most? Take care. Welcome back to the Read Indeed podcast, and I'll see you again soon. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head over to the website where not only will you find the written blog versions of these podcasts, you'll find my leadership blog series and information about my book on managing the imposter phenomenon. So head on over to dr-mark-read.com to find out more. That's dr-mark with a c-reid.com to find out more.
We'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening.